1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello and welcome. It is our best books of the year episode. I am super excited for this one. So instead of just listening to me talk about my favorite books of the year, I decided to do some crowdsourcing because I work with awesome people who also read and probably read more than I did this year. And so why not bring them on and have them talk about their favorite books of the year? So that's that's, that's what we got today, folks. That's what we got today. We have Team Overdrive sharing their favorite books of 2021. Um, I'm super excited for y'all to listen to this. All of the good titles disclaimer, I'm recording this before I even talk to anybody, so I don't actually know what any of the books are. So it's going to be a surprise for me. (laughs) You'll be listening in real time through this entire episode of my reactions. I have no idea what anybody else, uh, as I'm saying this, I have no clue what anyone's going to talk about. So it's going to be fun for everybody. Uh, You will have to wait until the end to hear my favorite book of 2021. Sorry, not sorry. But If you want to get a hold of the podcast, you know, share your favorite book of 2021. The website is professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. And you can always email us professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. If you have not yet turned in your 2021 reading challenge sheet, be sure to get that in before the end of the year. You have a week left. Yeah, I think that's everything. So let's get to it and find out what Team Overdrive favorite books of 2021. All of the titles will be in the show notes. Don't worry, you don't have to try and rush and write everything down. We always provide that for you. So I think that's it. Okay, I hope you enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. (music) Sydney, hi Jill. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm pretty excited to uh, to talk
2: books. It's been a while.
1: I know. So, what was your best book of 2021?
2: So this came as a little bit of a surprise to me. I actually shockingly heard about this book on Book Talk. Shout out to TikTok for all of my needs. Um, I saw an indie bookstore do kind of a, a battle of the books where they were trying to pick their favorite witchy book for fall. And I read all of them, but the clear winner for me was Paybacks a Witch by Lana Harper. Did you read it? Oh
1: yeah. We talked to Lana on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I
2: missed that episode. Shoot. No, I absolutely loved it. It was funny because it was up against
1: cursed,
2: which I also liked, but was banana pants. Um, but this I loved, it was so lyrical. And I just wanted to settle right into the town. And as you and I have had many, many extended conversations about how to write good witchcraft. Um, I thought the spell work was great without being cheese ball. I've had long extended conversations with people about like, if you're not using Latin, and you're making up your own spell work, how do you not sound like a total ding dong? And I feel like um, she did her work but I was looking up um, to see if she has anything else coming out. And apparently this is going to be a series, which I'm super excited about. And also, she's like a super educated bigwig. So yeah, you work that language, Lana. It was like Yale, law, and all these different things. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I was going to do that too, but decided, you know, just to work at Overdrive instead.
1: <laughs> which is amazing in its own right. Don't. Uh, hello, I'm not even. <laughs> Yeah, no, Lana is a delight to talk to. Um, <sighs> we're like BFFs now, not really, but I sort of want to be. Um, a girl can hope. A girl can hope. So, if you're listening, Lana, uh- <laughs> we love you. We want to talk to you. We do. We do. Yeah. So, all right. So yeah, well, I absolutely loved
2: it. I encourage everyone uh, to give it a read. And if you read that and cursed, I'd love to hear if one came out on top for you. Like no shade to curse. Cause that was also excellent. This was, this got my heart for 2021.
1: Great. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you. So next up we have Beth. Hi Beth. Hi. So what was your favorite book of 2021? So the book I picked
3: was the girls I've been by Tess Sharp.
1: So it's a YA thriller
3: and it's kind of like if Burn Notice was about a teenage girl. So Nora has left her life as part of her mother's cons behind. She's cleaned up her act. She doesn't want anything to do with it. She's living with her sister. And every time her mother would con another guy, Nora would have another name and another persona. She'd have a part to play. And she learned how to do all these grips. But the last time Nora's mom chose the wrong guy to mess around with and Getting out while she could meant that Nora put both her mother and her infamous stepfather in jail for a long time. So she has a new name. She's gone. She's off the grid. She doesn't want him or his associates to find out where she is because they want revenge. So this morning, Nora has a few problems, but the good thing is the first two are kind of nice, normal teenage problems. Her ex-boyfriend, who's still her good friend, walked in on her kissing her new girlfriend, who was the third person in their group of friends. Uh. So he's feeling a bit betrayed, and now all three of them have to go to the bank to turn in the money from the school fundraiser the night before. Okay, that's a little awkward, (laughs) right? But unfortunately, awkward turns into something else because they find themselves in the middle of a bank robbery
1: oh oh yeah that's that's really awkward
3: yeah not how you want your morning to go especially when you've been through like a lot of like violent trauma yeah. that your friends don't actually know about and nobody's supposed to know about got it so Nora being Nora decides that she's going to do anything she has to do to save both Iris her girlfriend and Wes her friend And the little girl that's trapped in the hostage situation in the bank robbery, because, of course, she can sympathize with this little girl who's now stuck in this situation. So she has lots of tricks up her sleeve, including, like, the ultimate bargaining chip, which is herself, right? Because if she says, hey, take me, I'm worth more than anything in this bank because stepfather's goons will pay, then she can get them all out of this situation. So not only does the book have a really cool structure, it kind of flashes back to kind of flesh out Nora's history and her her scams with her mom, but that also helps to build the tension of the hostage situation because of course, this is all happening very quickly. But when we take the time out to learn about what happened before, it kind of slows it down. So you're kind of still on the edge of your seat. I also think that Iris and Wes have these really, like, authentic reactions to things, like, Mm -hmm. what the heck is going on here? (laughs) Who are you? How could you not tell us? And there's kind of a side note, because Iris is a great character, and she kind of shows herself as Nora's equal, but she's also, throughout the book, coping with um, endometriosis and the pain and the side effects of that, which I've never seen in YA,
4: and I've read a lot
3: of YA, so I'm thinking there's some girls out there that would really appreciate that. So it will kind of keep you on your edge of your seat. It is pretty dark. I'd say you know high school to adult. There's some trauma, you know, um, physical and sexual abuse in Nora's past, as well as some just general kind of abusive and manipulative situations when she was young. So readers that want to avoid that should probably pick something else. Um, you know there's lots of awesome romances that came out this year they can pick you know go yeah. get all the feels, or well matched or you know love at first but this one if you want a thriller to keep you on the edge of your seat this is a great one
1: that sounds great thanks beth sure. next up we have kristen so kristen can you tell us what's your favorite book of 2021 was?
0: Yeah. So I actually have two and both of them are witchy books. I feel like 2021 was the year of the witch book. Um, And so I did read a few of them and thought that a lot of them were really excellent. So my favorite book of the year was Cackle by Rachel Harrison. And that is about Annie, who is uh, just turning 30 and she ends up Uh, quitting her job in New York to move to this small town in upstate New York and as it turns out this town is picturesque it's beautiful and she ends up making friends with this really amazingly beautiful charismatic woman in town uh, named Sophie and all of the other townspeople are very respectful of Sophie but very standoffish about her Um, So the book ends up being about the relationship between Annie and Sophie, and kind of uh, Annie figuring out what's going on with Sophie. And uh, it's just, it's a great story about friendship. And it went some places that I wasn't expecting it to go. And I just really loved this book. I thought it was awesome. Um, and then the other book I read that's also very witchy is Slewfoot, A Tale of the Witchery by Brom. Um, This is about Abatha and it takes place in uh, Puritan, uh, the colonies in America in Puritan times. And I usually back away from books about Puritanical society yeah. just because I have a hard time um, with like the persecution aspect of that kind of stuff. Um, And there is a little bit of that in this book, but it's more about Abatha who is recently widowed, trying to uh, keep her independence while also living in this very puritanical society. And then there is this magical element of these kind of like woodland creatures, woodland mythical creatures that come up and um, potentially her kind of like aligning with them. Um it was excellent. And also it's such a beautiful book and has these gorgeous illustrations throughout it. Uh this is a book that seriously takes you on like a roller coaster ride with your emotions. Um, you are like outraged for the main character and other characters. Um, you are like so happy when certain things happen. It was just you are all over the place. And it was a very satisfying read. So those are the two books that I loved from this year and would highly recommend to anyone who is in the mood for something a little bit on the witchy side.
1: There were a lot of good witch books that came out this year. So add those to the TBR. Thanks, Kristen. You're welcome. Thanks, Jill. So next up,
4: we have Maria. Hi, Maria. Hi. So what was your favorite book of 2021? Um, I have two because I have to be difficult. But um, the first one was She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. It is a historical fantasy that is kind of um, around like the Mongol emperor time. Um, It is so cool. I love any fantasy that's based on anything Asian Culture in general, but this one was really interesting because it's kind of like a a, a gender queer historical, like not your usual time frame. I feel like um, um, fantasy, and it was really well written. And the character, the main character, basically is born into this like um, very impoverished peasant family, and she has a brother, and this brother is destined for greatness. Um and she's destined for nothing. Like that's what the you know like, yeah. Fortune Heller says. Um and then, uh every like her whole family dies. Um that's not a spoiler. It happens in, like the second chapter book. Like, I promise. But she lives and she's like you know what? Well, my destiny is nothing. So I'm I'm just gonna pretend to be my brother and oh okay. We're gonna I'm just I'm gonna survive and and I'm gonna I'm going to fake that I am destined for greatness. And it basically becomes this like part of her identity is like just trying to survive and trying to like, like out, outlive and basically almost like out hustle her fate in a way, but it becomes this like whole turning point for like, um, the conflict that's going on, like in her country. And I don't want to like give her whole journey away, obviously, but I, it's, is really cool she has some really interesting relationships i think the side characters are are also really well developed and it's a series um so i'm very excited for the next one to come out because at the end i know like abby abby also read this and she was like wait wait this is gonna be a sequel right like oh my gosh i mean it could end but i would be like oh you know yeah um i'm excited for the next one to come out so that was a really really cool one that um I read and then the other one I just have to like say is Portrait of a Scotsman which is a historical romance by Evie Dunmore and I always talk about Evie Dunmore because I didn't think I was like a historical romance person until I read um Bringing Down the Duke which came out I think maybe in like 2018 um and I was like oh no I just haven't been reading historical romance that I like yeah it's just I just hadn't found it and I found it with Evie and and she like does not disappoint this is their third one in the League of Extraordinary Women series and it's all around um more of the Victorian era with women's suffrage and they're all um kind of doing the the blue stockings thing but like going taking it to the next level and they're doing like really more radical like kind of suffragette stuff and this this one is a bank about a banking heiress Hattie so she kind of has it pretty well. And I do think it's a very interesting, like, portrayal of a main character who like, is really like, like into the cause, but like, hasn't really had it. It doesn't really affect her life until she starts, you know, falling in love with somebody and that sort of thing. So it's just a very cool, almost like coming of age, I feel for the um, female protagonist a lot more than other historical romances I've read and of course he's a brooding Scotsman so naturally he <laughs> obviously that I'm going to yeah we're gonna read that um but yeah that one was just really fun I've loved all three of those so if if anyone's like nah I don't know if I'm a historical romance either try it try it I think you know some people that may not like others will like this one uh at least I do so yeah, you know that's you know
1: what sometimes when it comes to certain genres or subgenres it's just mm-hmm. a matter of not you haven't found the right one yet yeah um,
4: exactly and then when you do you either burn through all their backlists or in this case since she's like a newer author i just wait and aggressively <laughs> read it right when it comes out so you know sounds great
1: that's great uh, <laughs> yeah. well thank you so much for uh You're for welcome. sharing those with
4: us oh my gosh of course
1: Hi, Rachel. Hey, Jill. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. So what was your best book of
5: 2021? My best book of 2021 is called Sellout by Dan Ozzie. And I love this book so much because I love any book about music, basically. So this is a nonfiction book about music. And the subtitle is the major label feeding frenzy that swept punk emo and hardcore so just a little bit of background basically in the mid to early 90s all record labels were just intensely searching for the next band like nirvana so they were scouring you know small clubs and independent music labels trying to sign a band that was going to be, you know, the next Nirvana. So after that, it was really like the subtitle said, you know, a frenzy of all of these, you know, independent and punk and hardcore bands that had never gotten attention from these major labels started getting all of this attention. And um, that type of genre of music in the past was always very anti establishment and very, you know, had DIY deep roots. So a lot of these bands were faced with the prospect of, do I sign with these major labels? And this book chronicles the story of 11 bands that did choose to do so. Some of the bands like Green Day and Blink-182, it worked out very well for them. And Other bands like Jawbreaker famously, it did not, you know, the bands basically some imploded under the weight and expectations Mm -hmm. of these major labels. So the other bands they talk about other than those three are Jimmy Eat World at the drive-in the Donna's the distillers rise against my chemical romance and against me. So if you're a fan of any of those bands, I highly recommend you check this book out because the way Dan Ozzy writes and interviews people. I just love him and I love the way he researches and the way he tells the stories was just done so masterfully. And side note, he's one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. So I'm a big fan of his. So I think it would be really interesting for people that maybe aren't necessarily fans of these bands because it almost reads like fiction at times. Yeah. the Stories are so compelling. So if you're looking for a good nonfiction book to read or listen to, I definitely recommend checking this one out.
1: Uh, yeah, that sounds really good, and it will be immediately going on my TBR. So, mm-hmm. thanks for adding to my growing list. <laughs> course, yeah, no, I got through. I got
5: through it really quickly too, okay. because it is broken down by the eleven individual bands. There's like a, basically a chapter on each one, and then it focuses solely on the first album they made on. Mm-hmm the major label so the way it was laid out and it's just really well done and even you know as like you know kind of a music nerd the way he kind of cited his sources and the index and all of that I just loved so I found even more books to read as if I needed that after (laughs) reading this one too but I just I just loved it and I'm such a fan of his writing and his work and I love almost all of the bands included so it was basically the perfect book for me. And there you go. I loved it, so highly recommend. Awesome. Anyone and everyone, but especially if you like punk rock, you need to get this one immediately. That's good. Thanks, Rachel. Of course. Thanks, Joe.
1: Next up, we have Megan. Hi, Megan. Hi. What was your best book of 2021? Oh, I have two. Is that okay? That's totally fine. Most people okay. have. <laughs> They're two very different books. All right. First
6: and foremost, top of like, top of the top, top. Uh, Empire of Pain, The Secret History of the Sackler Dynasty by Patrick Radden Keith. Amazing. Uh, especially if you are interested remotely in the opioid crisis in this country. And as somebody who this is affected personally, one of my cousins died of an overdose. Um, It's something that I am like... Any book that comes out about it, I will read. And this one is just so interesting because it's about the people that made Oxycontin. Oh, it's the family. It starts like when they emigrated to America a hundred years ago. It's like just a real soup to nuts, everything. Wow. And if, if you are not angry by the time you finish reading that book, you don't have a soul. Or I guess maybe okay. you're part of the Sackler family and you're angry for a different reason. I'm throwing down apparently right now. It's fine. But- it's, so, it's just so good. Um, and it's, yeah, narrative, nonfiction, really. It's it's a big book, but it reads really quick. Uh, so totally recommending that. And then on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, one that perhaps people have already recommended because it's been super buzzy, um, is It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. Um, it is for fans of Schitt's Creek is what they tend to, how they tend to market it. But it's a, it's a rom-com Uh, because the only other thing I read are rom-coms about a young like party girl who crosses her family for the last time and they end up sending her north um, to I think Washington State. I want to say Washington because there's they are fishermen up there. Uh, But this small island town uh, where they uh, where she is forced to mix with the locals and ends up at the bar where her deceased uh, ends up in an apartment in the bar of her deceased father used to run. Um, so it's just, it's a delight. And one of my team members, Kristen milks gave it to me at a time when I needed a good pick me up. And so it has special warm fuzzies for that reason as well, but it's also just an awesome book. So those are my recs, something heavy and something frothy.
1: You know what? Sometimes that's what we need in our life. Now mm-hmm. I feel like I have to ask because this has come up before. How many books did you read this year?
6: I don't know.
1: And oh my it's gosh! Not, <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. Okay, for me, for me,
6: normally that answer is because I read a, a million books, right? right? This case, I just fell off of Goodreads about halfway through the year, yeah, and haven't picked it. And I've just been reading. It's yeah. been it's been kind of refreshing, um, but also I you know. Post having a kid, almost three years ago now, my reading has definitely dropped. Um, also, I just haven't had, I don't have my commute anymore. So I'm not listening to quite as many audiobooks. Right. Um, but so I would say I'm probably in the hundred range. Nothing. Okay. So like still very commendable, but nothing like compared to my, I read over 300 books a few years ago and I'm very, very fine with it. And yet most of them are romance novels. I'm also great with that. Reading is reading. There you go. And right now I'm reading, uh, oh gosh, what's the title of it? It's the Keanu book. Oh, Uh, um, like the How to Marry. Yeah, How to Marry Keanu Reeves in 90 Days. Yeah. And it is just grand. And since I just finished the new Karen Slaughter before that, again, just a complete pivot. So keep your reading
1: varied and what makes you happy. There you go. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. So next up we have Joe. Hi, Joe.
7: Hi, Jill. How are you?
1: Good. How are you?
7: I'm great. I'm great. Living the dream.
1: Living the dream. So what was your best book of 2021?
7: All right, so my best book of 2021 uh, was The Moon, The Stars, and Madame Barova by Ruth Hogan. So this was released September 20th, 2021, and I enjoyed this via audiobook, and the narrator was Nina Wadia, and the runtime, about eight hours. So let's see. Uh, I'm just going to dive right in the story (laughs) perfect
1: do it do it
7: (laughs) all right I guess (laughs) the story follows a huge cast of characters and it does kind of my favorite literary device of jumping between two specific points in time Uh, I get a little wary when you have a few too many, but this was like, it managed to be really linear while not being linear at all. Um, So we jump between the seventies, specifically like 72 to 74, and then the present. Uh, So our main or our most main, and also the titular character is Madame Imelda Barova, beloved tarot reader, palmist, and clairvoyant. And the story starts in the present day as she's retiring, leaving her booth on the Brighton seafront, and uh, before she ends her tenure, she must mail out some mysterious letters. So before we can find out what those letters actually say, we have to jump now back in time in 1972, where Amelda is actually taking up the moniker of Madame Barova. So, she comes from a long line of Romani fortune tellers on her mother's side, and she takes over her mom's family's fortune telling shop on the boardwalk or the pier early in her life. I'd say she's like early 20s. And she's thrilled to finally take residence as the queen bee in the boardwalk attraction, as she's not only inherited the shop, but her mother's unique gifts of being able to uh, see things from different times, you know, having strong senses, and then, of course, her ability while reading. So she provides tarot readings, she communes with spirits, and she's also become a pretty solid confidant of the living, very often hiding their secrets for them. So we jump from past and present versions of Amelda while also meeting and understanding Billy. Uh, we meet Billy in the present day as she's saying a lot of goodbyes. So we meet her saying goodbye to her childhood home. Uh, and You know, she's also recently said goodbye to her job as a university lecturer to take care of her father who's dying. And then as a result of that, she says goodbye to her marriage and then ultimately her father. And now, aside from saying goodbye to her childhood home, she's also kind of saying goodbye to how she identified or how she knew herself as a person. She's starting fresh, really, truly fresh, because she receives a posthumous letter from her father telling her that she's adopted. Her mother had died previously, and then after her father passed was when he shared the information because her mother never wanted her to know that she was adopted. So this is where we kind of start the the jumping back and forth in time increases to see exactly where our two main female characters meet and everything that has come together for their lifelines to converge. So, Billy was left outside of Madame Barova's fortune-telling stall, and it was Amelda herself who found young Billy, swaddled up with a tiny gold bracelet on that said Billy. And uh, now Billy's on the hunt to find out exactly who her parents are. So, Madame Barova knows who her mother is, but is sworn by the secrets of her craft not to break that confidence, And from here is where we get to meet between both the present and the past, an incredible cast of characters from Larkin's Holiday Park. So we're in the UK, if it wasn't clear enough from Brighton, uh, but a holiday park, because I had to keep reminding myself that this wasn't a Christmas destination since we're in the spirit right now, uh, was just an overall vacation destination and Brighton being a beach town always hopping in the summer. Uh, but so it was home to a lot of sideshow performers we've had because this was the 70s. So contortionists, people who impersonate as mermaids, wall of death riders, singers, pianists, and so much more. And we're tempted by the stories of joy and sadness, love and hate. And it just the way that it all kind of forms around us uh, just kinds of help us to fall deeper in love with these two women on their journeys. So is Amelda actually Billy's mother? was Amelda's great love unfaithful uh, those are kind of the the questions that ring around in the story and just as as you kind of reach the end it's this beautiful uh, kind of like hallmarky lifetimey love story but written so well that you like I'm describing this she wants to find out where she came from story but the way that it's written is so literary that you don't feel like you're watching just a cheesy special and it's also kind of wrapped up in a true crime shell I would say not only do we have like the mysticism from Madame Barova there's also so many moments where you know I'm like oh th- this is an act of crime happening in this love story with one of the side characters and there's also these moments where I was like is this man going to be this monster and hurt people? So there's a lot of moments where my true crime brain was just kind of running amok. Uh, but yeah, so that is, that is the the story without giving too much away because if you give away a little, it gives away the whole thing. But I, yeah, I would just say, uh, it was a great read. And <laughs> like,
1: yes, let's please add that to my TBR immediately, please. First you had me a tarot reader as you know
7: I figured I would
1: <laughs> and then you kept going I was like oh okay yes please I'm involved and interested so that sounds when so I good.
7: when I was looking through this felt like the intersection of our tastes you know the things that you and I share in common but also like my vague okay sometimes I'll dip into a romance but I want a little more on this like this was just like a beautiful blend and I knew yeah. I could hook you <laughs> with this one <laughs> But I job
1: done. (laughs) Thank you. That was
7: I'll check the box. I saw uh tarot and I went, well, that's the one.
1: That's the one. That's the one. No, that sounds so good. That sounds so good.
7: I had to say I was just panicked when you put the call out for this episode. Because I read all the time, but this past year I've been cleaning out old reading suggestions and like to-be-read lists. And I've been rereading some favorites. Don't tell anyone that I'm not reading new books. Uh, uh, and we so all had,
1: do it. Right? Most of, but, us. Most of us do it. Most of us.
7: I'd say a lot of us do it, but I had to scramble to find a 2021 release. And this ended up being my favorite book that I've read this year. So it it definitely fit the prompt. So if you haven't mm. read any of Hogan's works before... I'd say this is a great one to jump into. Plus, there's tarot spreads throughout the book. That oh. She she puts the actual she does the spread. She al- almost always does a Celtic cross. So not as exciting. She occasionally does a different one. Um, but she lists all the cards that she pulls as she's giving the reading. So it's just a little, little extra in okay. there for you.
1: <laughs> Way to bury the lead. Go. Way to bury I, the lead.
7: That was like my my Hail Mary. Just the only sports reference I know. Uh, <laughs> just, just in case I hadn't hooked you by then, I was just going to throw that in as a little extra treat.
1: <laughs> <sighs> well, that sounds like a delightful book.
7: <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Next, we have Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi, Jill. So what was your best book of 2021?
8: So one that I really liked um, was by Karen Slaughter, and it's her newest one titled False Witness. Um, I've read some of her previous titles, and this one I really enjoyed and highly recommend. Um, Also, as a side note, she has a little blurb at the end of the novel that is a must-read um she talks about how she usually doesn't um she's hesitant about tying in social issues cuz she likes her writing to um stand for itself and she doesn't like to get political in her novels. Um this one uh she tied in the pandemic um and it really does kind of it just it's beautifully written and she is a thriller author too so it's kind of twisted and mysterious um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Um, it starts off with um, two sisters, and it flashes back probably every other chapter. Um, and there's, uh, they're, they both are babysitting for um, a man that takes advantage of them. And so they kind of flash back to that childhood memory that haunts them um, for about 20 years. The one sister really struggles with um, drug and alcohol abuse, and the other sister goes on to become a defense attorney. So this flashback and flash forward, so go ahead, 20 years, um, the sister that is uh, working as an attorney, a defense attorney, gets a call. Uh, She's at her daughter's play, and it's the head of the law firm whom she's never even seen Um, calls her in the middle of the night and says you have to come down right now to the law firm and uh, the man that he's asking for her by name he's accused of all these rapes Um, through a couple years they've tied him or think they can convict him um, for all of these different rapes and it turns out that it is the son of the Mm -hmm. man (laughs) that they babysat for so it kind of you know, you're not sure if he did these things or not. Um, but then all these mysterious kind of um, key pieces start to line up that are similar to what happened in the past with the sisters. Um, so you're not really sure about his character. Um, but yeah, it's it was very kind of twisted. And I loved the two women in this. I thought their characters, you know, you have they both take this piece this terrible thing that happened to them um and what's interesting too she kind of ties in um the me too kind of scenarios in there too where you know the one sister thought that it was normal she thought that he loved her and she was only i think 12 um you know and he was 40 so it's it, yeah but i really i thought this was great the ending you know her kind of typical writing style um she's another one that just builds layers and layers and by the end you're like I I don't understand you know it all comes together and um yeah so this was this was my top pick for 2021 and um everybody that's looking for a new thriller I'm like this one you got to read this so um yeah I don't want to reveal too much but yeah
1: this is is a good one
8: there's always the problem with
1: Karen Slaughter's book. She's like I want to talk about it, but I can't talk about it too much. Yeah. <laughs> because it will reveal things.
8: She does. Yeah, she just continues mm-hmm. throughout, you know, even like where I thought I knew where something was going, then she peels back another layer and I'm like, "Oh my gosh." Um and I I enjoy her writing. I haven't read a lot of hers lately. Um but this one was on the shelf and I was like, "Oh, I'll get, you know, I'll get back into hers." And I was like, "Wow, it her writing, I feel like has for me, tying in those relevant social issues, um, it kind of that, that's something I can connect with. And especially she wrote this in March of 2020, when the pandemic was just starting, um, or unfolding. So she really had to kind of use her imagination as to where things would be, um, in a year. And I think she hit it right on the head. She did a really good job. So, um, yeah, this, this is a, this is a reader. This is one go out, Check it out. It's a good one. Great. Thanks, Laura.
1: Next, we have Abby. Hi, Abby. Hi, Jill. What was your best book of 2021?
6: So my best book of 2021 was The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. And it was so incredible. And it was very fortuitous that I had the cold last week and we had to cancel our meeting because I was doing the Goodreads uh, book of the year, you know, voting as I, as I always do. And I realized that I had missed the gilded ones. And so I checked it out last week after we canceled our meeting and I read it and I fell in love with it. So I'm really happy. We canceled our meeting. There you go. (laughs) Yes. And it was this gorgeous fantasy novel um set about the pure and the impure blood of females and it was a kind of a take on feminism and religion and old time and I cannot say enough good things about it. The only negative thing I will say about the book is I have to wait until April for the sequel to come out.
1: That's the worst. (laughs) It really is. Uh, That sounds so good. Well thanks Abby.
9: Yeah thank you so much for having me on. Happy almost new year.
1: (laughs) Happy almost new year. Next up we have Christina. Hi, Christina. Hi, Jill. How are you? Good. So what was your best book of 2021?
9: Okay. So this was really tough for me because for read an ebook day, I talked about the invisible life of Addie LaRue. And I thought that that was going to be my favorite book. And I actually went back through my history and I like thought about it. I pondered over it, stressed out. And I'm actually going to go with The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reed. That book was a moment for me. I, I devoured it, like read it exhaustively, loved every second of it. Um, I haven't yet read Daisy Jones and the Six because I haven't been able to get it. And I'm obviously I'm a Libby user. I will wait. I will wait for it if it, if it, cause then I get excited when it comes in, but, um, if it's anything like that, it's going to live up to the hype. And I'm so excited to see these make it to the screen. Yeah. Um, I've already cast them in my head. So yeah. great. It's a great book. It's a great time. Great for everyone. Everyone should
1: read it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for that. Next, we have Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi, Jill. So what was your best book of 2021? Okay. This was actually not as
10: hard of a choice as I thought, just because this one book stood out among all the others. My favorite book in 2021 was It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. Um, I saw this all over TikTok and my local bookstore, honestly, and um, kind of caved to the hype. But my goodness, it is worth the hype. Let is me it? tell you, <laughs> so good. Um, this it was so good. It follows like a sort of Beverly Hills Hollywood it girl named Piper, and she basically performs a little bit of a stunt right at the beginning of the book that causes her family to sort of cut her off and do like a Schitt's Creek inspired exile to a small town um, where she kind of needs to learn, you know, the value of a dollar, the value of hard work, not just kind of be this party girl um, that she's kind of perceived as. And naturally, while she's exiled to this tiny fishing town in Washington, Um, she meets a really hunky man named Brendan. Uh, he's like a sea captain. He does like, um, crab fishing, king crab fishing, which I know loads about. Thanks to (laughs) my husband's interest in deadliest catch. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, and these two people that are like so opposite, he's like sort of rough and tumble, like loves his routine, loves his small town and like fishing, and she's obviously like a party girl from Hollywood. Um, naturally, there's chemistry and sparks and it's so good. And um, it's pretty spicy. So on the spice scale, I would say like four okay. peppers, four hot peppers out of five. <laughs> um, oh. But it was it was so good. And the, the good news for me, and I guess for other readers of this, is that um, it's a duology so it does follow um, Piper in this first book and her sister, um, Hannah, who is in the book as well as the side character. Um, Hannah gets her own book next year. Nice,
7: nice. Uh, which
10: I also fortunately read already on Edelweiss and I, I read it in a day. It was so good. Um, so definitely, It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey, hands down top read of 2021 keep an eye out for the sequel in 2022.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Emma. Thanks so much, Jill. Next up, we have Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Jill. So what was your best book of 2021? So I went back and forth on two books. You can share both if you want. Maybe I will. Okay.
11: Oh. (laughs) So the one um, I, the first one I picked was Gods and Monsters by Shelby Mahoran. Mahoran. Sorry, Shelby. Um, It is the third and final book in the Serpent and Dove series. Um, So this is to go all the way back to Serpent and Dove. Lou is a witch and Reed is a witch hunter. And they are forced into marriage due to circumstances. And it is. Love it forced marriage with enemies to lovers there's a one-bed trope it's it's got it all Me <laughs> boxes are checked right now yes boxes are checked um i bought this i pre-ordered it as soon as i could and when it came in it sat on my counter for like three weeks my husband's like you were so excited about this book i'm like and i am still very excited about this book but i am terrified yes because <laughs> it's the last book in the series um but it was very, very good. She ended it perfectly. I was very happy with the way it ended. Um, no spoilers, but it was it was the perfect 2021 series ending book. Awesome. Sounds um, great. And then the second book is behind me somewhere. Mm. Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Masako. So that's the second of the third book. Also another no they're enemies to lovers because you say those couple words and i'm like okay done. tell me no more yeah um but it's the second book in the series where um amelia's sister victoria was murdered and also witches something a theme um and so she teams up with one of these seven princes of hell to figure out who murdered her sister and you know ventures at sue Nice. That's the second of the third. Third one's
1: supposed to come out next. And
11: the way she ended that book was just "Mm."
1: I mean, that's what you gotta do with those (laughs) books though. You gotta, you know. Yeah. There's also, I will say, there's been a lot of witch books mentioned. Is there really? Yes. There there is a theme of witches happening, I think, in twenty twenty one and Team Overdrive has picked up on it. It's a lot of without a
11: moment and I (laughs) I struggled with witch books for a while. Like I couldn't find one that I liked but now, yeah, they seem to be having their time and I'm not mad
1: about it. Same, same. Well, thanks, Andrea. Thanks, Jill. Next, we have Jenna. Hi, Jenna. Hi. So what was your favorite book of
12: 2021? So one of my favorite books was The Witch's Heart by Genevieve Cornishek, who I actually believe was interviewed on Professional Book Nerds at the beginning of the year fun fact. (laughs) Um, But I was in such a reading slump at the beginning of the year. And I was just doing my thing scrolling through Libby. And I actually came across this book and I was like enamored by the cover. It's beautiful. And I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then I also found out that Genevieve Kornishek is from Cleveland, which Made it even better. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm supporting a <laughs> Cleveland author. Um, but this ended up being one of my favorite releases of 2021. Um, so The Witch's Heart, it's basically a re- reimagination of a Norse mythology tale. Um, it's about a giantess named, and I hope I'm saying this right, <laughs> um, Angra Boda, who she has powers and knowledge of the future. Um, and she's working with Odin who is trying to gather knowledge from her, but she soon learns that it is dangerous and maybe some dark knowledge. So she refuses and she's punished by Odin. Um, Basically, she's caught on fire. She becomes a burned witch and she's banished into hiding in a deep forest, Um, pretty much trying to hide from Odin's all seeing eye. And then in the forest, she meets the legendary trickster, Loki, um, which is amazing. (laughs) Mm. And then they fall deeply in love um, because why would you not? (laughs) Why would you not? Why would you not? (laughs) Yep. Um, And then Ingramota and Loki, they bear three, I'll say very unusual um, children with a larger purpose. And over time, uh, Angerbetal learns what Odin was looking for. And she's basically faced with the knowledge that her worlds are in danger. Um, And then she has to decide if she will save her family or kind of accept their fate. So, you know, this is a story. It's definitely about love. Um, It's also about loss. But really, it's about a powerful woman who would go to the end of the world for her family. Um, you know, I love this. It was filled with a lot of interesting and for me, um, recognizable characters. I'm not super into Norse mythology, but you know, I like it enough. I know who Odin and Loki were. So that really drew me in. Um, and this book was kind of like an escape almost. It was mm-hmm. extremely atmospheric. Um, you know, I'm a very visual reader. So as I was reading it, you know, I was, in a forest and Ingerboda's cave and I have a fire lit. And it was just, it was like kind of a cozy book too. I don't think it was meant to be, but for me it was. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like a good, you know, love story or if you're into Norse mythology, this, this book is it. It was, it was a fantastic read. I very much enjoyed it.
1: Great. Thanks Jenna.
12: Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: And finally, you get my best book of 2021, although I'm going to give you two uh, because it's my podcast and I can do that. And I, I can't choose between these. Um, now, the first one, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, over the last few months, it's it's going to be an obvious one because I've talked about it a bunch and I've specifically called it my favorite book of the year. And that is Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford. Ashley was on the podcast to talk about this um, over the summer. Ashley is a podcast host and a writer, and this is her memoir about her, um, you know, growing up in uh, in poverty and having a very tension-filled relationship with her mother. Her father is in prison, um, and she it, it's just a, a really wonderfully written book about um, growing up and kind of finding yourself, um, when your family isn't always what you really need them to be, or they aren't there for you, that the way you need them to be. Um, Ashley talks about being raped, um, and how she keeps it as a secret from her family and sort of dealing with that. And it was just i i loved this book i love this book it was just incredible um and tackles a lot of complex topics in a a really great way um so if you have not read somebody's daughter i highly recommend it and then my other one my other favorite book of the year was cultish the language of fanaticism by amanda montell uh i love cults i'm somewhat fast i i don't I don't love cults. I'm fascinated by cults, which has come up in other conversations. I think the interview I did with Courtney Summers, probably, uh, we talked a lot about cults in that. So, this isn't exactly about cults specifically. Um, This is more like examining cults through the lens of language. So, Amanda Montel um, kind of analyzes the social science of cult influence and how cults and cult leaders use language to get people on board with their cults and she does more than I mean she talks about Jonestown she talks about Scientology but she talks about soul cycle she talks about you know MLM's multi-level marketing companies um and that it the language used by cult leaders pops up in a lot of different areas of our life that we may not quite realize. And um, so if you are interested in cults but also in sort of the power of language, both good and bad power of language <laughs> uh, it this was a fascinating read. This is a fascinating read because it it really sort of highlighted a lot of things that you don't really think about and how it does create this, you know, this cult thing, whether it is SoulCycle or Peloton or just, you know, influencers uh, and and the the power of words. And so, like, looking at cults through a linguistic lens <laughs> was incredible and also sort of makes me aware of own, my own situations where I'm like, Oh, yeah, that actually sounds, oh, I've, that sounds familiar. Like, I've been in situations where somebody has used that language or used that particular ideology, and it was not clear that it is, it's a little cultish. It's a little cultish. So, those are my two best books of 2021. Somebody's Daughter by Ashley C. Ford and Cultish by Amanda Montell. So, there you have it. There are Overdrive's best books of 2021. Um... Not all of the books were published in 2021, but you know what? It was a tough reading year, and we're going to let that slide. So, most of them were published in 2021. And sometimes, you know, your best read of the year might not have been published in that year, and that's okay. So, that's that's it. That's it, folks. That's what we got. Best books of 2021. Um, please, if you want, feel free to email professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com um, and let me know what your best book of the year was your best read of the year was and um i hope you find some we got lots of books in this i hope you find some good read for yourself from this episode all right happy reading readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Jill Grudenwald and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com.
7: You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story.